Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and it is Friday the 13th dun, 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 of January. <laughs> Joined today... As on most days, by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how the heck are you? Hi, Dave. I'm good. Things are generally good. Things are good. Yeah. I mean, I like the rain. Everyone, there's someone complaining about the rain on our forum. Rain is good. Rain is great. We love the rain. We love the rain. We're going to get a bunch more of it this weekend. It's going to be this awesome. This friend of mine who's from Chicago, every time, every time he comes here, it rains. <laughs> well, did, <laughs> he it, thinks we're all lying to him. He thinks this whole thing is a made-up narrative of California because every time he comes here it rains. So I think the state of California should just pay him to permanently move here. Talking to my best friend, uh, Maliki Matavau, yesterday. You guys are buddies. We're best friends. Uh, After, um, because he came down, I mean, his his weekend of enrollment was last weekend. And if you remember last weekend, it was just absolutely (laughs) dumping rain. Um, And he was like, yeah, it's like I brought Eugene Weather with me. And yeah, you, you imagine that you'd feel like you've been sold a bill of goods, like you're Dante Moore. You know, you've been told, hey, it's not Detroit, man. It's not cold. It's sunshine 24-7. And then you come in last weekend and it's just peeing rain the entire day. Yeah, but this week has been pretty good. He's probably yeah. been able to get out of his dorm room this probably, week. Probably, probably. But uh, Maliki, uh, say his name. Maliki Matavau. Uh, he's, that goes, that might go to the top of my favorite names. It's at pretty least good. on the current roster right now. Malik well, and I was, because sometimes you get the Mataveo, but Mataveo. this is a Mataveo. Mataveo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you run this by Blair? I didn't, but I ran okay. it by Maliki, so. I think Blair knows more. <laughs> probably does. He probably yeah. has a better feel for it. Actually, Brandon probably has the best feel for it. No, Blair. You, th- you think Blair's any... got the better, uh, yeah. better Polynesian yeah, yeah. pronunciations? Yeah. Don't tell Brandon. Anyone listening to this, don't tell Brown. If you throw anything suddenly at Blair, he'll nail it. Wow. Yeah, or he's just BSing really well. Which he's good at that, too. Yeah, he, he can speaks confidently. Yeah. Um, all right, well, we, uh, we, we do a, a UCLA sports podcast. Um, I love it when you say that. You always have to bring us back in. <laughs> Why don't we do one for like 40 minutes talking about – other things and then you say that in the last two minutes i think i think we will drive some people we will drive some people absolutely insane we got a lot of we got a lot of literalists on the uh on the bro message board the literalists wasn't that a paper that was written back probably you're the historian okay let's go that was bad okay yeah all right um Last night, uh, so we're going to talk about a few different things, but I wanted to start with basketball. Uh, Last night, uh, late night game on the Pac-12 network, uh, well attended. 11,000, 12,000 people there. Pretty Uh, great. 
Lemdowski people for Utah. Uh, yeah, UCLA uh, uh, beat the hell out of Utah. Um, now, it was Utah without Brandon Carlson, but um, I think with Brandon Carlson, the result may not have been actually that significantly different because UCLA was super locked in defensively. Yes. Super locked in. Uh, yes. Maybe one of their... You know, you, you can't get into too many superlatives anymore because there have been a lot of really good games so far in the Mick Cronin era, but one of their better defensive efforts, uh, just top to bottom, everyone playing their assignments really, really well, um, everyone playing with good energy. Jaime Haka is playing one of his most energetic games of the season, and uh, the end result was, I mean, it was a foregone conclusion, what, 10 minutes into the game that UCLA was going to run away with it? I think about the defense. What what was really significant is there were there were n- no periods of less focus or energy. They maintained that intensity and focus throughout. Um, that, I mean, I I rewatched it because I had a write about it. There were only a couple of possessions where you felt Utah got a good look. Most of the time, they were taking late shots, bad shots. <laughs> It wasn't great. And, and yeah, Carlson would have changed the whole thing because now they were limited. They they got very few points in the paint. Um, but he wouldn't have changed it. I don't. He wouldn't have changed the outcome by any means if they were playing defense with that kind of intensity. The thing that really stood out to me, too, beyond uh, a couple of player standouts, uh, that was a, a really great offensive game plan. And what it, what it was... If you if you really go back and watch, there are so many different sets that Cronin calls out in that game. They did so many different things against Utah. Utah was scrambling to try to defend all the different looks that they were giving them. Uh, you can't generally do that with a young, inexperienced team. You need a veteran team to be able to do that, and you need a veteran point guard like Tiger Campbell. Arguable who was the best player in that game last night, Tiger Campbell or Adembona. But if you go back and watch how much Tiger Campbell impacted every single offensive possession in getting them into the offensive set that uh, Coach Cronin wanted, it was it was like a maestro's uh, a performance. It yeah. truly was. It was so fun to watch. I mean, they were they were changing it up possession by possession. I'm all, wow, okay, there's a 1-4. Oh, crap, now they're spreading it out. Uh, wait, there's a high-low. It was just, it was cool. Yeah, and this was interesting because after the USC game, um, Cronin, I thought, um, he went really hard on the defense um, in the second half of that game in his post-game press conference. And, like, I don't think he was wrong. Like, I think the defense did have some lapses and some errors and the whole thing. But anybody else watching the game was like yeah but buddy look at that offense yeah but he can't say that right, he right, can't right. say but, i'm really but, happy with that but, defense yeah but uh then in the uh, press conference this week before this game I, I wouldn't say he was sheepish at all but when asked again about the usc game and what he saw differently and all that kind of stuff the first thing he said actually was offense like there was some you know, and there, and it was also a lot of well, I got to look in the mirror too. You know, I got to, you know, I've got to be, 
because a little bit of, you know, after the game, it was, well, these guys weren't playing hard. And there was a little bit of that. They came out flat in the second half of the USC game. But then, you know, after doing the film work, he's like, well, got to give them a little bit more. This was giving them a little bit more like this. There was a lot more in the game plan against Utah than there was in that second half against USC. And this is where, like, I think the critiques of Cronin's offensive system kind of fall flat because this is what it, I mean, to me and to my eye, this is what it looks like more often than not, and maybe not to the level of intricacy, but the teams, I mean, this team especially generally passes the ball really well. And when they are, you know, locked in and, you know, running some decent sets and it's not just perpetual weave, uh, they pass the ball really well. I mean, look at what they were doing with Bona in the first half, just, you know, different types of post entry, but his ability to pass the ball, um, you know, and obviously there were like a number of, you know, good passes uh, on the interior, but just kicking the ball out to open shooter or to the guy who can get it to the open shooter. Um, I mean, using him as a fulcrum uh, for the offense, uh, really it was a different thing than we've seen this year because they haven't really focused on that um and really he hasn't given them much reason to because of his hands issues uh but that's that unlocks so much if they can use him as essentially um a a post facilitator because his willingness people um i think kind of you know they've got their ideas about what a dembona can do but uh the dunks and everything last night were great. Uh, his defensive rebounding has been cited, but a freshman big being able and willing to pass out of the post instead of just doing like, I mean, how many times have we seen freshman posts just being like, I have to try to score because there's literally nothing else I can do. There's nothing else I can do with this ball. And his willingness and ability to pass the ball to the post is uncanny for a freshman. And it's just not kickouts where he catches it and maybe he gets he gets doubled. N- not a or, single time did he kick it back to the guy who fed him the ball. It was always he, he across the court. Across the court, there was one. There was one sequence in the second half. Um, I, I it was Tiger Campbell who f- fed him from the corner. He was along the baseline. He caught it, kicked it out to Jalen Clark at the top of the key. Jalen Clark moved the ball quickly to Will McClendon, I think who moved it back to Tiger Campbell, who nailed the three. And it was, I mean, this isn't out of desperation. This is out of design. Um, His ability to pass the ball without his back to the basket is something too. Um, We haven't said this much about him, but it's, it's because we've thought he was pretty raw, but it's a pretty advanced natural feel for a big to be able to pass that well. And it's great. It's amazing that, Cronin has recognized it and um, has decided he's going to put the responsibility of that into a freshman post who's in, who's played 17 games, who showed some rawness that he, you know, that maybe he's not ready and he's giving him that responsibility for all those people out there, negative recruiting UCLA, that they don't give their one and a supposed one and done five-star freshman uh, a lot of playing time and responsibility. Yeah, go watch that game <laughs> yesterday. Um, I'm I'm no longer calling him supposed. I think I think I think I'm back to uh, yeah one and done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, with the way he's going. Yeah, um, the the trajectory now is uh, 
Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, there were so many. There were so many really exciting things ab- about that game. If you really broke down a lot of different details, um, they beat a good team by twenty points, while three of their four top scorers were, you know, I'd say I wasn't going to say putrid, but not good offense. Uh, our our guy Jaime Jaquez. Didn't score until I think 17 minutes in the second half. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't. Um, he, couldn't Clark, he couldn't hit anything. He could not hit anything. All of those, and it's kind of funny too. All of those little fallback, all of those pivot and shoot mid range that he usually makes just were just rimming out just a little. Jalen Clark actually threw up a from like about four feet an air ball little floater. Yeah. Um, unlike them and and our other guy. I don't know. I I mean, I, I think David Singleton is our guy. Um, he, he is. He's actually the the founder of the site. Missed his three three point attempts, uh, and not really close either. Yeah, a little, a, a bit, a bit off. Yeah. Um, you and you can still win by by 20, 20 points. Um, one thing I I want to make sure everyone doesn't just skip over it. Um. The 12 to 15 minutes of tape, of videotape, of UCLA's practice that we publish every Wednesday. Did you actually do it on videotape this week? Yeah. yeah wow. Why? Why? You don't? You, you, didn't, you didn't do it with your video recorder? You oh. got like a, a cassette tape and then <laughs> filmed it? I had, I had that big old camera. And you converted it from shoulder. a VCR? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I still have my VCR all fired up, right? Uh, thanks, dude. Um, you should watch that. That's not just, that's just not throwaway stuff like that we get in the first 20 minutes of football practice. No, and it's Mick not like Cronin's what we used to not film from waste, Alford either. He's not going to waste 15, 20 minutes. He's just not. They ran through, uh, they did a, they did a run through of, uh, you know, on air of various, of various, um, sets really just a couple of sets, but different options out of them and ran them so fast and so effectively. Um, it's something to watch. If you're a basketball guy at all, you, you need to watch, you need to watch that film. It's, it's really fun. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, the, there was, there was, and, and there's also been some talk about the, uh, Will McClendon minutes, uh, especially vis-a-vis, uh, Dylan Andrews, um, I, I would just again cite that I think it's now in almost a hundred minutes of basketball this year. Will McClendon has yet to turn the ball over. Um, just so right there, there's there's that piece. Um, to uh, just really focus in on the passes he's making. This is not just a guy swinging the ball around uh, on the perimeter. It's not as much as I love him, it's not what David Singleton was doing to avoid turnovers two years ago, um, where it's, you know, he's moving the ball, but it's not really incisive passing. McClendon is making tough, tough passes, tough passes into the post. Uh, and and uh, Coach Cronin this week said he is their best post feeder. Yeah, and it's apparent if you're watching. like, And he'll find really tiny windows to get it in there too. And then on top of that, 
if you notice when he's in there, he's almost always right at the front of the press and he's the guy who's leading it. Um, There's a reason for that too. Uh, He makes good decisions. He's not going to foul in a dumb spot. Um, There's just a lot of, there's a lot of the heady stuff that Cronin really prizes there that you're getting with McClendon. And that's not to say you're not going to get it with Andrews or that in the fullness of time, you're not going to get it with Andrews, but it's not quite there yet. If you watch Dylan Andrews, there's a lot of really, really good. He hit some shots. He had some really incredible defensive rebounds for a guy his size. But then there's also on offense, he takes a couple of dribbles to think about something um, instead of just passing the ball, instead of just moving the ball. Uh, McClendon doesn't. If you're watching him, the ball hits his hands, and then there's a decision made immediately where it's going. Is it being passed? Is it being shot? Is he you know, taking an incisive dribble to get to a better spot to pass it? Whatever it is. Uh, Andrews, there's still some thinking going on. And it's, it's obvious if you're watching. Um, but the thing with Andrews is everyone's blown away by, and totally understandably, there's a lot of athleticism there. There's a lot of quickness. Um, and again, those defensive rebounds are... You know, Will McClendon had an impressive offensive rebound in this one, where I think, I don't even know what they ended up calling it, where he ripped the ball away from um, the, uh, the the Utah player. But Dylan Andrews had ones where he was skying over guys who were like four inches taller than him. Uh, these are two different things. Uh, both players, I think, at this point are going to be in some ways essential uh, over the next couple of months. I think they're both going to be playing. You know, there's going to be games where each of them will have to play 15 minutes a game um, because of foul trouble or whatnot. But um, there's there's reasons why McClendon is playing, and it has very little to do with how he's shooting right now. And, um, and then the other thing, too, um, and this is probably a, a big factor in uh, Cronin's decision to play Will McClendon uh, more minutes. Of course, it's about defense. Uh, you look at Dylan Andrews, he looks like a great defender, and he, he is a, a great on-ball defender. He's going to be a great overall defender. But if there's – I wish there was some kind of stat of uh, someone who uh, is slow to rotate or loses his guy defensively. Um, Andrews would be – among the leaders and it's not that much it's very infrequently but compare watch him compared to McClendon there's a big difference and that's the kind of technical details that you need to make this defense is 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 doing so well right now on so in so many facets and it's it's built on little details like that remember the defenses we saw in the last couple of years which weren't horrible but it would either be there was a guy who couldn't stay in front of in front of their man. What two three years ago it was horrible, and then there was guys who would get lost, lose their rotation, um, often. If you build a team full of defensive players who are good not only um, athletically, but also good in terms of their technical defensive uh, approach. It becomes there's no cracks for it to fall through, um, and I wrote about how critical Jalen Clark is to this. I watched. I went back and watched for the first half. He didn't necessarily guard one guy, but they can switch him onto anyone. He switched onto all five players. Yep. And 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 like you know, defend them for a while. And 
that's so invaluable to be able. And Will McClendon is close to that. He can't do what Jalen Clark does when Jalen Clark is switched off onto a post and he's fine. But any point guard through wing, Will McClendon is pretty solid on. And he does not get lost in his team defense. So that's all in really, really important stuff. And one more thing I want to – because people are down on McClendon and a lot of them were just trying to point out why they shouldn't be. It's and just shooting. That's the it, only reason anybody shooting. is. And the, here's the thing. From what I'm hearing, he's like the number two best outside shooter statistically. I think he's ahead of Tiger Campbell is what I was told in practice. He's close, he's close to David Singleton. Most of the time when you're good in practice, you'll end up showing that in the game. Um, he's just a, f- a redshirt freshman. He sat out a year with his knee. He's getting acclimated. Um, the shooting a lot of times comes last because you just got to get comfortable in game situations. But you can see the shot is there. Um, I I might go on a limb and say down the line he is going to be the uh, David Singleton. Like in two years, he'll be that guy from from the outside. So. These are just kids. They're not, everyone thinks, well, they're a recruit, plug them in. Oh, damn, he's not very good. They're, they're 19, 20 years old. They're just at the beginning of their development. This is college basketball. That's why it's fun is to watch, what did Tiger Campbell shoot threes his first two seasons? 25%. What was that? 25%. Wow. People change. People get better. Um, That's what's so fun about college basketball they're not all finished products and it's fun to watch them develop yeah i agree and uh, again literally zero turnovers has not turned the ball over while actually doing things that's phenomenal hey dave there's a couple other things too our friend ben bolt cited you in i know and and, and you haven't shared that stat with me or the bros have you i shared it on twitter what the hell is that i don't know what that is who knows who knows what that is? Who owns that? Um, um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not really a stat. It's, you know, it's sort of just a, an observation, sort of a, um, a accounting, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's uh, but yeah. So right now, um, in the last 31 games that UCLA has had fans at home, uh, Mick Cronin is undefeated. Uh, the only two losses at home since losing to Stanford uh, to drop to eight and nine in his first year. Uh, the only losses at home have been to USC in the COVID year and then Oregon in that weird game last year where they didn't have fans coming back out of the uh, COVID pause. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they um, sort of, I mean, and Cronin talked about this, good teams have to do that. You have to pretty much win basically every time at home. Uh, because, you know, road comes with its trials and whatnot. Um, but this is, yeah, this is elite level winning at home. This is what truly elite programs do. They protect home court at a uh, freakish level. Did you see Cronin's reaction when Ben brought that up? Did you watch it? Yeah. He kind of, I don't think he knew. I don't think he knew that. And when he, you could tell some real, I'll call it pride, kind of rushed over him. <laughs> because usually, you know, coaches hear all the good stuff about themselves. I don't think he had heard that. And he 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 was very 
uh, proud when that I'll call it a stat was brought up. Yeah, yeah no, and uh, and and Ben gave Mad Pub. He's got to throw the online in there though. You know. Yeah. See, our problem is what's that place? It's called Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Twitter only We're says at Bruin, Bruin Report. Report. Right. Yeah. We're but we brought, are Bruin Report online. We're not Bruin be, Report on paper. Yeah. Yeah. When we when we did the ad, it wouldn't take the online, right? It, that's why we did Bruin it's, Report. Yeah, it's 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 too uh, it's too long, or it was too long. Who that's knows? Ridiculous. What about what about people with long names? I know. I know. It might have changed. I'm since just then. against Twitter. It might have changed but since then. Who knows? Great, great platform. We love it. We love it, don't we, folks? Um. Okay, but anyway, so UCLA now has Colorado tomorrow. Um, right now, UCLA is up to number three on Ken Palm. Uh, it's the number four overall defense on Ken Palm. Uh, just to give you some perspective, the last defense that was rated this highly for UCLA was uh, 2008. Ben Helland. Probably. The last Final Four team for Ben Helland before he was body snatched. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's, I never used that before. That's so good. Yes. Um, and, and and Ken Palm, who are the other? It's just, it's just, this is so funny to me. Okay. So number one is Houston. Mm-hmm. Adjusted defense, number two. Mm-hmm. Number two overall. So that's um, when you compare the adjusted offense to defense. That's how our boy Kenny ranks this. Number two is Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They're number one. For adjusted defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three is UCLA. They're number four yep. for adjusted. It's it's kind of. And then their offense, those three teams offensively are 11, 30, and 15. Yep. So in your mind, your takeaway would be, what makes a team really good in college basketball? I, Do I, I overemphasize defense too much? Do you think you just you, you love talking about defense? I mean, it changes by the year, um, but I do think oh, sure. um, generally, if you are a program that can um, instill uh, defense, then you're gonna be. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I, you'd have to do like a full statistical analysis. My my general anecdotal feeling is that you're more likely to be consistently good. Because we saw a lot of, um, we've seen a lot of elite offensive teams. This year's Arizona team, I think, is going to be a really interesting test case because they have the profile. It's actually kind of similar to like Lonzo Ball, uh, like that year for UCLA. Really, really good offense, and then just a very questionable defense. Um, and I'm interested to see how that shakes out. You know, because I think they will reliably blow some teams out, um, but they also. They're going to lose some weird ones. Oh, like I thought it, you were talking just in the two matchups against UCLA. Uh, yeah, I well, agree. The That's UCLA game, I think, will be really interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, they lost to Washington State at home by 13. Um, they lost at Utah. This same Utah team we just saw just with Carlson. Uh, they lost at Utah by 15. Um, I, I think tough uh, teams that are coached tough defensively um, are going to give them some issues because I don't know that Arizona can match it. Um, and I think that's the kind of the takeaway is you need to have a, I think a really, really good defense and then enough offense. And I think that's sort of UCLA's formula this year and enough offense has to be like top 20 or top 30 to really contend. I inadvertently watched Rutgers a couple of times this year. Just they were on. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Sicko. Then I got, (laughs) that's true. 
Then I got a little bit hooked because I recognized, dang, they play really good defense. So looking at them on Ken Palm, they are 15th overall. Rutgers is 15th. Their offense is 110th <laughs> in the country, which is not, I mean, it's not horrendous, but it's not good. Their defense is number three. Yeah. They are living off their defense. So. But it's the same sort of thing. They're, they lose some weird ones. Like, because you just, you need the combination. You need them both to be really good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not dropping, like, insane facts here. You can't just win with defense. You still need to be able to make shots. You but still you need can't to win able. without it, is my opinion. Yeah, I don't think you can win at a high, at level, a high level without level. defense. Um, but I think, I think it goes hand in hand. You can't, it, it's, it's both things. Um, I think both are, are hugely uh, you know, the, the efficiencies, um, again, do not come back to me with total points. I see you, PHS1. Do not total come back points. to me with total points. But what is total po- Oh, okay, that's not talking about. Efficiencies. Efficiencies. Because um, last night, for example, um, you might think, oh, the offense wasn't good because they only scored 68 points. That was like a 60-possession game. Like, they were both walking the ball up the floor. Like this was this was a game that was borderline Dick Benetting for like the first thirty minutes, and then finally it opened up a little bit, um, because UCLA actually started taking quick shots at the end with all the bench players in. Otherwise, this would have been like a fifty-eight possession game. Scoring sixty-eight points in a fifty-eight possession game is really good. Just and and I like to look at shots taken. Uh, there's so much to me about uh, shots taken because in this day and age, sometimes someone can shoot. 49 50% and they lose and then you look oh they only took 42 shots I mean and a lot of that is because a, a defense is not giving you a good look yeah um, and that was last night um, yeah they, they Utah I think they took 48 or 49 but they rushed you know they jacked up a bunch in garbage time it would have been like in the low 40s you, you aren't even you aren't even um, among the stats out there, if you looked at shots taken in the game, low 40s isn't even listed among the 300 and how many D1 teams. Um, so, yeah, it was it was just it's just fun to watch. The defense is fun to watch. Easily Cronin's best defensive team. No question about it. Yeah. Um, all right. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So that is basketball. Lots of fun things there. Uh, we also want to touch on football. Um, so this morning, uh, so we're recording this. I'm going to give everyone a little bit behind behind the scenes, behind the curtain. We are recording in the liminal space between the boom being announced and the actual announcement of a commitment. Uh, Now, theoretically, Tracy. We can only speculate, Dave. Theoretically, we're going to speak about this as if uh, the commitment is a certain four-star uh, wide receiver, former four-star wide receiver, uh, transferring in from fellow Pac-12 school. Hypothetical guy. He's not real. We don't know. We actually don't know him. But let's say, okay, just you know, for sake of argument, that it is J. Michael Sturdivant, um, or someone like him, or someone like him, exactly uh, like him. That's a big get. That's a big get, Tracy. Yeah, and, um. You never know what could happen. It might not be a guy like J. Michael Sturdivant. <laughs> In this age of NIL, any last-minute thing can happen. But It's so true. But we're fairly confident it is a guy like him. Yes, a guy very much like him. Yes. Um, yeah, that's, that's a big piece to the puzzle. I think UCLA is going to get good quarterback play. Next season between Dante Moore, your boy Colin Schlee. Really like my Schlee. He's I've watched more tape on him. Dang. Uh, but they. It, it, this sounds. Everyone likes to say this, but it's true. They need someone to throw the ball to. Um, UCLA's receivers aren't aren't bad. They lose Jake Bobo. Couple of a couple of solid guys returning who are actually coming on during the end of the season. Uh, TMA, uh, Cam Brown, uh, Logan Loya, solid guy. Um, and then there's some young guys who got really good reviews from practice. But there isn't that X receiver, that that guy who can do it all, who can be your possession receiver short. He can get separation deep. Um, who's 6'3"? I mean, speculatively, we're talking about a guy who's like this. Um so, yeah, it's it's a big impact. It also, and I'll let you talk to this because this is your this is your thing and I'm stealing it. UCLA needed a win in recruiting. Mhm. Yeah, so this is a for, so first obviously uh impact on the field. Uh Tracy just went into it, but um getting that star guy is super important. Also, there's a new era, as everyone is uh, paying attention to, um, and UCLA and this NIL collective and helped to um, uh, fundraise off of um, the the big Dante Moore uh, commitment. But also, you need to maintain that momentum afterwards. Um, and we'll get to some of the misses this past weekend, but getting a guy like Sturdivant, once again, raises interest. It gets people excited because this is a... a a pretty known quantity on a very bad Cal offense. He was really good. Uh, and that was a, a mediocre to very bad offense. Um, and for him to make, I mean, to, to 
produce what he produced. I mean, you kind of have to do like a cow tax to it um, because it's 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 pretty nuts. He had uh, this year uh, 65 catches for 755 yards for seven touchdowns in a really bad offense. Um, those are like, I think it's very similar to what Bobo's numbers were for Duke, um, except Cal actually had some other wide receiver talent. They just didn't have a quarterback, didn't have an offensive line and a very bad scheme. Um, I mean, you, you almost have to like go one and a half times that probably not the number of catches, but the yardage, uh, to understand what he'll do in an actually good offense. Um, this is going to be a guy. It should be a guy. Who's might going be a to, guy. <laughs> it might be a guy, hypothetically, uh, who should have over a thousand yards in a really good offense. Um, and more than fills the role of what Bobo provided last year, um, more than fills those shoes and gives whoever the new quarterback is, probably Dante Moore, um, a true Colin number Schley. one. A true number one to throw to. Um, so there's a lot of really good reasons why this is a big get. And I think it's enough of one that it gets people excited again, you know, gets them up. Um, and that, that momentum is important, not just for, you know, obviously there's the Pied Piper effect and all that kind of stuff. If, you know, recruits see that other recruits are going to a place, it makes them more exciting, but also for the fan base, uh, because the fan base is a very, uh, and fan base and the booster base are very real participants in this process. Now donors, um, you might be a donor if you're out there listening to this, or you might not be. Um, I've had you a might lot be of, a donor if. <laughs> I've had a lot of experience with donors. They are a very interesting breed. Obviously, most of them very intelligent, uh, usually pretty loaded. Uh, they know their own business really well, sharp at their own business. Uh, a lot of times, though, uh, not necessarily really knowledgeable about... UCLA sports. There are a few that are, and they're wonderful to talk to, but there are some who aren't. Um, so imagine if you're a UCLA fundraiser that's trying to get UCLA donors to give you some money, and you have to simplify the sales pitch very, very much. Um, so it, it can be it can be challenging, and right now that's kind of where. Wow, that's where NIL is. That this is this is what is being done out there across the country is NIL collectives talking with donors from programs and trying to get them to donate NIL money and you've you've got to pitch them on something and a lot of them just aren't that knowledgeable about what you're pitching them on. Um so when fans wonder about why UCLA missed on a couple of guys, Jarrett Kingston, Anthony Lucas. There are a lot of factors that went into it, but NIL is definitely a big factor. A lot of recruits, transfers, and high schoolers are saying, NIL just really isn't that important to me. Occasionally there are guys who are like that, but most of the time it is the number, it's become the number one factor. In this Right now, this offseason transfer portal, I'd say it's the number one factor uh, in determining where someone goes. Yeah, they- so I, I have a thought just for everyone to try to parse statements that they read publicly from recruits. 
Hey, um, when you last took a job, you, I'm talking to you out there, did you tell everyone, oh, I took it because they were just going to pay me so much goddamn more money and I was so excited about it? Or did you make up some crap about, oh, it was a better opportunity for me to grow as a worker and, you know, yada, yada, yada. You made up the crap, right? Especially if you were talking publicly <laughs> But honestly, interview. honestly, what was it? It was the yeah. fact that they paid you 10 grand more, right? 10 grand. Whatever yeah. it was. But... Like these guys, yeah, but these guys, these deals that are getting negotiated for some of these guys aren't like, oh, it's the difference between five grand here or five grand there. It's uh, I might get I might get eighty thousand dollars more here, or I might get one hundred and fifty thousand dollars more here, uh, and that's legitimate, and that's really happening. Um, so when they say it wasn't the nil money, or I didn't even I, I didn't even hear about nil or whatever, okay. No, not true, but let's just move on because we all lie about this stuff all the time. But please understand that they're lying, It's and it's fine. We all lie about this stuff. These are the white lies that it's social lubricant. Uh, nobody wants to hear that, like, this kid was a mercenary and just came because the money was right. Um, but why does anybody do anything? Because of money. So there you go. And just know this, that when UCLA is out there transfer recruiting um if it if it's losing someone recently and you all know i am not a defender of the program never been but trying to relay actual factual information to you and this is what i see now um ucla has lost a couple of guys because other programs have promised more nil money that that simple um could ucla's football program do a better job recruiting sales pitch salesman ish i think so yes um but that's an incremental difference compared to the nil difference now you know i i brought up the subject on the message board and i got slayed about what's going on out in college football because there's a there's a weird phenomenon now with transfers that you uh, NIL collectives you're violating an NCAA rule if you actually put in a contract how much uh, a recruit is going to be paid. You can talk in generalities. Well, if you were on our team, then your level of player could generally make about this much NIL. That that's kind of okay to talk about. Because you're talking about like someone on the team, how much they would make. You're not saying, here's a contract. This is how much we're promising you. So that's a, that's a crack to fall through. Um, you're not absolutely promising someone something and they can get somewhere. And then that program could not um, deliver on it. I think we're seeing that at Florida, right? Yeah. Um, has, I, I haven't followed it perfect. Has has it come out specifically that Rashada is doing that because Florida reneged on the NIL money? Or are they just kind of talking in verse? <laughs> I, I don't know. There's been some speculation that's the NIL. There have been some speculations that his transcripts weren't right. But, uh, guys, it's Florida. He's, he's not going to Stanford. It's the, the transcripts can be made right for Florida. Um, Dave, but- Dave Woods went there. Tracy Pearson did not. But it's Florida. 
Yeah, you're just banking on no one from Florida just heard that. Yeah, come on. Uh, There's nobody from Florida who's like, yeah, no, University of Florida. Of course they are. University of Florida has a pretty good academic reputation. Yeah, whatever. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, it's probably the money, uh, but there's there. There's, we're in the plausible deny again. Nobody wants to make it known that it's about the money. Okay, so the dad for Rashada isn't going to be clear about it. He's saying we're working some things out with Florida. Okay, great. It's the money. It's always the money. And if somebody agrees to pay pay you X, and then you show up and they're like, Nah, it's actually going to be Y. Well, you got to decide whether Y is if Y is good enough, or if the deal was a unicorn to start out with. And you should just take why, because now you're going to go back out on the market and maybe everyone else's money is spent. You know, these are things that have to happen. These are the things that have to get decided. And I'm sure it'll get worked out in some way in the next few days. Uh, but it's just the money. It's negotiations. That's all this is. We're, we're now in the um, we're, we're fast forwarding through all this stuff. But because we can't be actually explicit about, um, you know, there was an incentivized recruitment here. It has to still be talked about obliquely. But we're just in the holdout stage of NFL contract negotiations. That's all this is. And so he's got the added problem that um, there will come a point where Florida will no longer allow him to start school. Uh, but they're in the holdout stage. That's fine. This is all normal. This is all normal stuff that happens with any kind of high-level negotiation. Um, and it's going to happen more and more, and everyone should get comfortable and used to it. And UCLA fans on our forum are... I mean, I think everyone's kind of getting that, you know, there are other NIL bids out there which trumped what UCLA had potentially to offer a recruit. Um, and they're, uh, they're saying a lot of things that I had reported earlier that the new NIL collective was having a big impact on recruiting and some of the fans who see glass half empty are saying, well, obviously it's not having an impact. Um, it is. UCLA got a couple of big guys. Uh, I mean, hypothetically. Um, and if the NIL collective had not been, two months ago, they would not have got them. Let's put it that way. The development in UCLA NIL, the recent development of it, was highly critical to getting this hypothetical boom well it's not a high it's a real boom hypothetical recruit um so that's the that's the real factual perspective on this having a huge impact huge chip kelly did really well in the transfer portal previously the transfer portal is now uh, this offseason so far you would say that uh, clearly, the predominant factor is NIL. UCLA is a little behind, yes. <laughs> the football program is behind because it, it dragged its feet. It only really decided to do this less than two months ago. So it is behind. Uh, but without it, uh, Chip Kelly's effectiveness in transfer recruiting would not have happened this offseason at all. I, I think they they really would have got killed. <laughs> So it had a major impact. Just know that. Yeah. And uh, just for an update for the bros. uh, So right now, the football NIL has. So this is not the whole collective, just bros piece of it. So the people who have submitted through our form on the website 
as of now, the total amount raised, so that's the money actually in, is 21644 The amount pledged for the total year, you know, the people who've done their monthly... The annual amount. Yes, the annual amount right now is a little over $84,000 annually. Um, so a distance from a hundred grand is actually not that much. If 50 of you set up $25 a month plans, uh, that would more or less get the collective there where it would be at a hundred grand of revolving money, uh, for, uh, NIL from just bro. And that's not, this is not, I don't think anyone has contributed more than, I mean, I think there's a couple of people who, who've went, you know, like close to a thousand dollars a month. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, the average plan is 44 bucks. Um, this is not, not a bunch of high level donors. The high level donors are donating directly. Um, but you guys, you people out there are contributing at an impressive level. Um, and that's not to say it shouldn't still grow. Um, please continue to contribute to it because it is part of, uh, making this competitive. Like these are, this is real money that is really going to go and help. Um, well, it's going to help players first. I mean, so, I mean, compared to like a WAF donation, which I don't know, half the time is going to like either a facility or um, a coach buyout. This is actually going to go into the pockets of players, um, which it, just me personally, I would feel better about. Um, and uh, it'll actually benefit uh, UCLA's ability to um you know, have talent on the team. Yeah, I don't mean to talk down the WAF donations, but <clears throat> this is a better place to put your money. NIL. Uh, yep. Just so you know, eighty thousand. I'm not talking specifically at all. That's probably two defensive backs right there, guys. Yeah. Uh, a good left tackle. Yep. I mean, out there in the market, from what I'm hearing, two fifty annually, probably at least. Just I mean, so y'all know. What's maybe 300, maybe more. I mean, uh, there was it? a certain, there was a certain left tackle who was from the PAC 12 transfer that UCLA couldn't get involved with. Um, I mean, just hypothetical, this guy, $400,000 around that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think even the, more. So y'all got to know where all of this is. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's some real stuff. And, um, you know, so what that works out to is like monthly, it's right now at about a s seven grand a month. Um, I mean, that's, I don't know. What's a car payment these days? It's 14 car payments. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of things you can do with this money. So, uh, anyway, um, it's good. You guys have done a great job continuing to contribute as you can. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we've talked about uh, football recruiting generally, um, the hypothetical commitment, um, you know, missing out on Kingston and Lucas this past weekend. Um, should we talk about defensive coordinator, Tracy? Uh, sure. Do you want to? Yeah. I mean, there's just not that much to talk about right now. Uh, and it's a delicate situation, as, as we've said. Uh, UCLA is working its way through it. Um, what's the day today? The 13th. It, it might not get worked through soon. Uh, there are some things that have to happen to determine whether Bill McGovern will be the defensive coordinator next year. 
I couldn't even tell you the odds on it. Um, Never tell me the odds. Yeah. I don't do that anyway, but I know people are going to ask that. There's too many variables here um, to determine it. But I would say in the next few weeks, uh, we'll know uh, if Bill McGovern is UCLA's defensive coordinator next year. There are two real scenarios, and this is obvious. He's the he's uh, working within the program, uh, and there are other. So there's a there's a new NCA rule that's being. I don't know if it was actually passed, but it was going to be passed. Analysts, um, those are all the guys. Uh, like Alabama has 15 of them. UCLA is, I think has four or five. The guys who do a lot of analyzing, but they can't coach on the field. They couldn't coach at practice. Um, the NCAA is going to pass a rule where they now can coach at practice. They can't coach on the field during games, but they can coach during practice. Um, there's a different kind of scenario that teams could do where you hire a lot of analysts doing a lot of coaching on the field and then they're up in the booth um, during games doing a lot of the scheming and play calling. And you move to uh, the hands-on coaches who are coaching uh, in practice and coaching in games, like the Jerry Neuheisels, you go out and get a bunch of young, great recruiters like like Jerry Newhouse, like Jerry Newhouse, to play that role. So the the way the way staffs, <clears throat> excuse me, the way staffs are being put together might change soon. So that's one scenario. Then the other scenario is that Bill McGovern is not UCLA's defensive coordinator next year. Um, there could be other scenarios too. I would say those might be the two most likely, uh, and there are a few things that are going to determine that. I'd say in the next few weeks. I know everyone wants to hear about it now and they think it's killing recruiting. Uh, that's, that's, just the way it, that's just the way it is um, of, of UCLA having to work through the situation with Bill McGovern. All right. Was, so, was that good? No, that's good. And I think that puts it about as, uh, about as clearly as a very opaque situation can be put. Um, so it's sort of just a wait and see, guys. So, wait and see. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I think that's it for us, Tracy. I'm done, Dave. I'm spent. I'm smoking a cigarette. Yep, as you do, as we do. Um, all right. Well, for that guy over there, Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, and we will talk to you again next time. See you all. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.